Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be with you again today. We're so thankful to have our listeners who tune in on a continual basis to join us and be with us each day here on Search the Scriptures. We know that many of you listen every day or close to it. We've heard from many of you. We know that there are others who listen frequently, not able to listen every day, but you, you do on a regular basis, quite frequently, as your schedule allows. We're thankful for you as well. There are others who listen from time to time as you have the opportunity, and as you tune in, we're thankful for you as well. And there are always those who are listening for the very first time, and we're thankful for you. If you're listening for the first time, or if you're listening on a more infrequent basis, our prayer is that you're going to recognize that we take this ministry very seriously. It's not just something to do to fill out a church budget. It's not something to do to say, okay, we've done this particular thing here. This is a ministry through which we seek to bring God glory by teaching his word accurately and effectively, in depth and in detail, helping people come to understand God's will for their lives. And in so doing, helping to build their faith and bring them closer to God and ultimately through Jesus Christ all the way to God as they repent of their sins, confess their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior and God's Son and surrender to Him in baptism for the remission of their sins and then begin to live that new life in Christ, that reborn life, that life wherein they're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 that life with a new direction to heaven, with a new promise, salvation, eternal life, and a, new and, a, and a new hope, and that is to be with God forever in heaven. Living eternally, what a blessing, what a hope, what a promise, and all of that is revealed to us in God's word. So we're thankful to have that opportunity to study with you each day, and we pray for you. We really do. We care about you, and we want to help you get to heaven. We're going to finish the particular study that we've been going over over the last several programs. I've entitled this particular study, You Can Drown in a Foot of Water. Now, most of you have probably already heard one or more segments of this study. And hopefully you remember that I'm talking about the fact that you don't have to fall into the middle of the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean. You don't have to fall into a 40-foot deep lake. You don't have to fall into an 80-foot bend in the Mississippi River and be pulled under by the, by the undertow and the currents, treacherous as they are, in order to drown. You can drown in a foot of water. And as I've pointed out, and, and many of us can relate to, a whole lot of examples, a whole lot of reports in the news, a whole lot of uh, reports from friends and family members and acquaintances and people we know who know somebody else who have told us about little children who slipped under just a foot or so of water, maybe in a backyard swimming pool, an inflatable one that parents have been buying for generations 
so that their little ones can play in the water in the backyard and maybe the parents step into the house just for a brief moment, they think, to grab something, maybe a glass of water or a glass of tea, and they come back, and when they come back, their little one had slipped under the water in that little inflatable pool that only holds a foot or so of water, and they drowned. Or maybe the baby or the little one, the toddler, slipped under the water in the bathtub as the parents stepped out to grab something, and they came back and thought they were only gone for an instant, a moment. But it was long enough for the baby to slip under the water and drown. Not much water in that bathtub, but enough to drown in. Didn't have to be in the middle of the ocean. Didn't have to fall into a 40-foot lake or an 80-foot deep river, pull under, being pulled under by the currents and the undertow. No. You can drown in a foot of water. And even an adult can drown in a foot of water. If they can't get their head up, they'll drown in just a foot of water. So we think about the big sins, and everybody realizes that there are big sins, at least in their mind, things that you really need to keep away from. Boy, you wouldn't want to be a part of some of those things. They're horrible. They're wicked. They're evil. Probably nobody, under the sound of my voice today, would want anybody to think that they would worship the devil, for example. Horrible sin, terrible thing, turning away from God. They would not want to be guilty of murdering somebody or raping somebody. Terrible sins. But they might, oh, be careless and think it's a rather inconsequential matter to be involved in some sins that they would think of as smaller sins, one foot of water sins. And yet again, you can drown in just a foot of water. So we've looked at one of Paul's lists, and we've actually referred to a few of his other lists, of works of the flesh, of works of darkness, of sins that will keep a person out of heaven. And all of these lists are simply representative. They're not all-inclusive. They are representative to talk about the kinds of lifestyles, the kinds of activities that are classified as sinful and that they'll keep a person out of heaven. Again, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says simply, the wages of sin is death. He does not differentiate between certain kinds of sins or degrees of sins or depths of sins. He just says the wages of sin is death. We need to be careful that we don't get involved in sin, period. We need to be careful that we don't become careless about sinfulness of any kind and what some people might consider of any degree. We need to be asking God through prayer to help us stand strong in the faith all of the time. As Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, we need to always beware, always be alert and on guard 
to not give the devil any place in our life. No place. We need to remember that he is described as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. But he does not always appear to us in the form of a roaring lion. He may appear to us at times in the temptation of just a one foot of water, sin. We've talked about hatred. We've talked about lying. We've talked about getting drunk. We've talked about revelries, which is the idea of, a, of carousing, a typical kind of drinking party scene. We've talked about strife, engaging in, instigated strife. All of these are sins that Paul listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, as sins that will keep us out of heaven. And yet a lot of people might look at some of these, you know, hatred. Well, sure, it's bad to hate, but that'll keep you out of heaven. Or lying. Well, what about sometimes you're lying to save somebody's feelings? Or you're lying to get out of trouble. Is that going to keep you out of heaven? Paul says, yes. What about, is it wrong to go to some, you know, to a party like where the carousing is going to be going on, drinking is going to be going on, and, and it can lead to other things that would be sinful? It, Paul says, revelries. What about strife? Just maybe getting into arguments? Maybe, oh, just kind of losing my head a little bit and, 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 uh, Telling a lie on somebody or, or telling, you know, gossiping about somebody and, and, and thereby instigating strife, is that going to keep me out of heaven? Paul says, yeah, yeah. Well, what about being neglectful in my responsibilities as a Christian? Would that keep me out of heaven? Could it? Yes, it could. I've described a lot of Christians as looking like a mannequin in a department store window. Now, I don't know how many of you have lived in a place in a city big enough that goes back and has a history of the old department stores where people would come and look in the window of the department store and they'll dress up those windows, they'll put mannequins in there and put clothes on them, maybe depict scenes that are intended to get the shopper's interest and kind of instill in them a desire to go in and buy one of those things. Or maybe just come into the store and look around and browse and shop and spend money. We certainly go into all kinds of stores and see mannequins in use where they have the latest fashions displayed on them. Well, you look at that mannequin, and it's just an inanimate object, isn't it? Now, what do I mean by a lot of Christians being like mannequins? Well, you have a lot of Christians say, I, I, don't, I don't curse, I don't drink, 
I certainly haven't murdered anybody. I try very hard not to engage in any kind of strife. I never have committed adultery. I've tried to keep myself sexually pure. I've not engaged in fornication. I'd stay true to my wife. I've never robbed anybody. I've never beaten anybody up. Certainly never murdered anybody. And they might go on and on and on and say, I haven't done this. I don't do that. I haven't engaged in this. I don't take part in that. And you get down to that, and, and what I respond to is to say that a mannequin in a department store window doesn't do any of those things either. You see, but that's just a dummy being used to sell a product. But it doesn't do any of those things. Now the question is, what do you do in serving God? In Romans chapter 2 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. You see, I think a whole lot of Christians, they really focus on making sure that they don't do a whole lot of things. They abstain from a whole lot of activities and lifestyles and practices that they quickly recognize as being sinful or at least as being questionable. And so they say, I don't want to even be questionable about those things. I'm just going to stay away from them altogether. And that's a good practice. But that doesn't make a person a faithful, dedicated Christian. They've abstained from, good, you know, from, from a lot of things that they should abstain from. But God wants us to be servants as well, servants of his. He wants us to be active in our Christianity. In James chapter 1 and verse 25, James writes along this line, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and, con and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, do you understand that? It's not enough to just hear the truth from God's word. It's not enough just to turn away from sin. But we need to serve God actively. Saving faith is not just intellectual understanding and agreement. It's not just believing. It is an obedient faith. It is a dedicated faith, a serving faith. When you go into the second chapter of James, and you begin reading with verse 17, James says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, verse 18. And then he uses an illustration. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do you think anybody is more convinced as to the reality of God than the demons in hell? 
I would suggest to you, they have more of that kind of belief absolutely firm in their mind than a whole lot of people living in this world. He says even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 20, that's the second time he said that. Faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. But how was his faith described? As a working faith. An obedient faith. And then he goes on and he says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. It's interesting, my friend, that the only time you read the phrase faith only in the entire New Testament is right there in James chapter 2 and verse 24 and it is preceded by the two words, not by faith only. And then James goes on. He's still not finished. He reinforces this particular principle even further. He says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Oh, yes. Being neglectful of your responsibilities as a Christian can jeopardize your soul. In fact, in the fourth chapter of James, and I know this is bothersome for some people. James really hits this over and over again. In verse 14, James says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And then in verse 17 of James chapter 4, he says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is is sin. I believe the Revised Standard Version renders that along this line, to him who knows what is right to do and does not do it. To him it is sin. Interesting. So there are things that we need to stay away from and some of them, some people would just think of as being one foot of water sins. We still need to stay away from sin. Those are sins of commission, things that we commit, that we do. But then, as James is pointing out here, in James chapter 4 and verse 17, James chapter 1 and verse 25, and as Paul pointed out in Romans chapter 2 and verse 13, there are also sins of omission. Things that God expects us to do, wants us to do, instructs us to do, that we don't do. 
those are sins as well. And so being neglectful in my responsibilities as a Christian and not doing the things that God has instructed that I should be doing can also jeopardize my soul and keep me from getting into heaven. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, John says that sin is transgression of God's law. When we break God's law, we sin. The text does not distinguish between so-called big sins and little sins. It just talks about sin. And again, that's exactly what Paul refers to in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. When he, says, when he says the wages of sin is death. You better be careful. We all better be careful. And somehow salving our conscience because we say, I haven't done any of those great big sins. I stayed away from them. That we've taken part in the one foot of water sins. Better be careful. Even though you stayed out of the, the ocean, you stayed out of the river, you stayed out of that deep 40 foot deep lake, you better be careful to not splash around in the waters of the one foot of water sins. They can be just as deadly. You can drown in a foot of water. In just a moment, we'll tell you how you can contact us and receive a free Bible study by mail, the regular mail. It is free. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. And again, we'll take care of the postage. No charge. These materials can help turn your life around. They can help you get, get to heaven. Take advantage of them. Ask for that Bible study and begin to study how you can walk with God in faithfulness, in dedication, and be with him in eternity in heaven for all time. We want to hear from you right away.